Good morning and welcome to the burning sensation. A burning sensation is a type of pain that is distinct. This segment is dedicated to discussing irritations, both physical and psychological. If symptoms persist, further discussion may be required. It is that time of the week for the burning sensation. We've got Diggers and TC here in the studio. Uh, hello again, TC. Can you please recap the winner of the tipping competition from Friday? We've had a few text messages asking. Russell Hinks was the winner of the tipping competition. Good and stuff. it's nice to mention a winner because it's somewhat of an hour of losers, isn't it? In what way? Now, football teams. Oh, yes, but, you know. And then Butts joins in, so he can... We can't, be, we can't be too downcast about it because, you know, North Melbourne get a good chance to bounce back against Sydney in Sydney this week and Collingwood against West Coast. So one of us will be winners at least next What's, week. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> unless it's a draw. What's a bounce back for North Melbourne? <sighs> Ten goals? Yeah, as silly as it sounds, absolutely. They were horrible on the weekend. And as I said to Tim, they hadn't been able to access in the weekend or on the game Obviously, Ben Cunnington, obviously, Taron Thomas, and obviously, Luke Davis Uniac. But you can't roll over. Now, all sides get a spanking once or twice a year, but you cannot roll over. And they rolled over on the weekend. And that only increases the pressure on the coach and the football club. You, they, you can't dish up what North Melbourne dished up, even in light of their injured personnel and unavailable. Especially what they showed at the back end of last year. It seems like they've gone backwards. Yeah, it looks like they have regressed, which is surprising. Yeah, it was as bad as what round three was last year. You remember the Good Friday game against the Bulldogs last year when Josh Bruce lit it up. That was as bad on the weekend. It could have been even worse than last year's Good Friday game. So uh, hopefully for their sake they can bounce back anyway. Now, let's start off with the racing. We'll get to some text messages straight after it. Amelia's Jewel, we had the Karakata here on Saturday afternoon. The big question is, and we forecast that we would talk about this after 7 o'clock, and the question is, is she right there in the conversation as the best two-year-old in the country, or is that maybe just a little bit far-fetched at this stage? It's an interesting one, Tim, because what more... Like She's won a, a Group 2 here, and she's won a Group 3 in a listed race, and she's been emphatic that she could not have done any more. But how do you marry that up, TC, with what Fireburn is doing. Now, we might sit back on this side of the country and go, you know what, those two-year-olds over there, they're not at the level we have seen previously. But when you win a slipper and then you win a size, like she has done Fireburn, I think she has to be your clubhouse leader, does she not? Oh, I think so. I think so. Even in an average year of New South Wales, two-year-olds, their average is probably more often than not better than our good. But Amelia's jewels clearly one of the better juveniles we've seen in WA for quite some time. And the way she won that Karakata plate was almost effortless. Yeah, that, that win on the weekend, and it just panned out beautifully, didn't it? Because we spoke about it last week. There was tempo. There was top-end tempo in this race. As you'd expect, it's a 1,200-metre, half-a-million-dollar Group 2 feature. People are going to want their slice of the pie, and they're going to attack for the lead to get that slice of yep. the pie. And once Paddy was able to just get into that three deep line, that that race was as good as over. It was as good as over at about the seven to 800. Which is exactly, as you said, Diggers, what we thought could happen last week, couldn't it? Once he lobbed in that spot, TC, it was, it was, it was curtains for his opposition. Yeah, exactly right. And she's had the advantage of racing on good fours, so clearly she appreciates that. So the New South Wales two-year-olds, a couple of them could jump out of the ground once they see good tracks. So just... 
they haven't raced on it in their career. So how would you know? But Firebird, on the other hand, she's gee whiz. I thought she, she was gone at the 300 there on the weekend. And then the way she picks up and it's like she sees the winning post and just attacks it. Yeah, she's she, and it was emphatic and on the end as you know in the end as well. Like it was a dominant win. Like she powered away from her opposition. Now clearly she loves wet ground. We know that, but she couldn't have done any more either. Any issue with what Brenton Avdala did? No, not knowing Brenton. Well, when you say knowing Brenton, we saw him do the. Oh, that was terrific! The bow, the bow yeah. in the oaks. oaks. Yeah, squiddy spirit, the squiddy spirit. Exactly. So that's the way he is. Oh, look. And I dare say he's he's done that, and I, I dare say Tommy and a few of the other jocks once they got back to the room of you know had a bit of a laugh and poked a bit of fun I, at him. I like seeing that because it shows that the jockeys and the trainers they're interested in what's going on in the media and the talk that is going on. And Brendan's just saying, well, you guys have been happy to talk up a pretty good game throughout the course of the week. Keep up, boys! Come on, let's see what you've got. And well. You get the, as soon as you do that, you know you're going to incur the wrath of the stewards. Oh, yes. And that's what's happened. So um, he'd have a pretty good pool room with the photos that he'd have oh, up yeah. on himself. Exactly. Spot oh, on. I, I love it. I love it. I thought it was great. And we've missed Brenton of Dulla for a long time, haven't we? So Hasn't he made a splash since he's come back from that neck injury? Yeah. Just won multiple group ones. What's that, the third one in probably six, seven weeks? Yeah, he yeah. into two Fireburn yeah. ones. Yep. Hasn't been a day of racing with that much firepower for quite some time. Like star quality, the winners, as Tim, I think you said, the first three group ones on the day, to have a Totsu who confirmed himself as an absolute freak. Yeah. Nature strip, just uh, as good as it gets. Jeez, it was some quality racing. And there'll be some more of it again this Saturday with the, the QE. Yeah, that's, that is the race this week. I mean, we've got the Oaks, which that'll be an okay race. That'll be the Oaks is what it is. Uh, what the Sydney Cup looks like, minus Dewis. Well, if she goes to the Queen Elizabeth, there's a Group 1 Sydney Cup that's up for grabs there. And then the Queen of the Turf, what that looks like, whether a few of the three-year-olds go back in trip from the Vinery or whether a few of them back up out of the Doncaster, we wait and see. But it's not as, it's not as strong. It's not as uh, impactful as what the weekend was. What did you make of Matt Stewart's comments about Kieran Ma mm. and possibly being the best trainer he's seen? Yeah, it's a big call, isn't it? It's a really, really big call. It's there's it's interesting speaking to a couple of people, one person in particular who I respect a great deal, and I said, "What's it like having horses with Kieran Ma and, and David Eustace?" And he said, "Look, he said David is extremely attentive to detail." and is fastidious with everything that goes on with a horse. He said where Kieran is just far more of a natural and maybe is not as um, in sync with everything that goes on with a stable. It's basically, but he can just look at a horse and straight away identify a fault or, you know, a a reason why this horse is flying. And he just said he's just a genius. And, and that backs up, obviously, with what Matt Stewart has had to say. He clearly, and it's... It's fillies, it's colts, it's it's antires, it's two-year-olds, it's three-year-olds, it's 1,200 metres or 1,000 metres or it's 2,400 metres. He's, he's a phenom. He really is. Well, I think that's the good point that Matt made was the fact that he is able to reinvent the wheel in ways that people haven't been able to do so in Australia anyway. Because Hitotsu, typical, typically doing your form in Australia and you see Hitotsu, and I think we spoke about it last week, on a heavy tin month between runs 16 up to 2400 you just know way in god's name you're backing that horse exactly and a, a, you know by a japanese sire 
and a lot of the Japanese horses do their best work on top of the ground. Mm. We know that. And then this horse just goes up there and they launched it. Yeah. Absolutely launched it just before he jumped. Well, not just before, but in the in the build up to the race, and he runs accordingly. Yeah, they clearly have a good group because they launched it in the VRC Derby as well and got the money. Yep. Uh, they also have a very very good grip on Nature Strip. That, of course, is the Wallace Stable. So we asked this question of Matt Stewart and also Richard Haynes. He's he's now arguably he's arguably the second best sprinter I've seen behind the Great Mare Black Caviar. I think he's better than Chautauqua. It's a big call. Yeah. It's hard to argue. He's, he's a polarising horse, though, as silly as that sounds. For an out-and-out champion, he can rub people up the wrong way, Nature Strip. And I'm yeah. not sure why. No, I've got no idea either. And he's able to do it at, you know, both ends of his races too. And he's been able to sustain that. Typically, you see the horses that race with his pattern. They sort of bust after two or three seasons at the yeah. top level, but he's able to keep coming back, going to the well, and the handle that Chris Waller has on him and the right buttons to push at the right stage of his campaign, just unbelievable. He wins the big races. We were talking about it last year. He held all four of the big wait-for-age sprint races, the Everest, the TJ, and then the two down the Flemington Strait, the Lightning and the VRC Sprint Classic. If you've got a sprinter, they're the four races you want to be winning. He's ticked every one of those boxes. Chris Waller has had the luxury of training Winks very elegant and nature strip within a five-year period. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say the word luxury, and you're right, it is, but he's also put the polish on yeah. nature strip because he's been able to get him to not only elevate but then sustain that mm. ridiculously high level. Because when he first got nature strip, first got to Chris Waller, I think it may be the first two or three races, they tried to sit him and teach him to settle because prior to that he'd go guns a-blazing. Yeah. And at the time I think he lost a few races where he probably should have won them, but now probably reaping the rewards three seasons later. Yeah, he's he's done a wonderful job with that horse. All right. Uh, very quickly, gents, we've got our WA Derby this weekend. So the market with Tab Touch, and of course we'll have a, a good look at this throughout the course of the week, but... We've got Alaskan God 250, Tricks of the Trade 350, Lady Chance now into $10, Secret Deploy $12, Outspoken Lad $15, Henchard $16 as his pale rider. So maybe just a quick brush over what our top three is for this week. Well, Alaskan God and Tricks of the Trade are one, two for me, so I'm, I'm with the market there, TC, and I'm still to identify a, a third, I think maybe Pale Rider, just because it's more of a traditional build-up. He was on the back up there, a nice two-week gap. He's got to the 2,400 quickly, I grant you that, but I just like what I've seen along the way. So Alaskan God 1, Tricks of the Trade 2, Pale Rider 3. Same Quinella for me. I think they will fight it out in the derby, and I think Outspoken Lad continue to elevate throughout his campaign, looks ready to peak grand final day. On those three as well so you see in that order as well I'm Alaskan God tricks of the trade outspoken lad so uh, we were talking about how how we've been excited for the derby has it is it going to be everything that you two expected it to be this derby or do we feel that maybe just a couple have dropped along uh, dropped off along the way depth wise probably a little bit of dropped off but I think the cream of the crop are really good Alaskan God and tricks of the trade I think they'll They'll be in some very good races over the next 18 months. I like the race. I, I really do. I think Alaskan God is very, very progressive. Tricks of the Trade was terrific the other day when ridden cold. And it might not be, you know, again, we don't have the Cerise and White horses there. 
We but, don't have them there in terms of at the top of the market or haven't been in that discussion along the way. So I think it's generated a fair bit of interest. It's a bit refreshing. Yeah, it is. Probably it is. overlooking Lady Chen a little bit too. Yeah, she was she's great. very progressive. Yeah, very much so. Lightly raced, um, obviously came out of that maiden and then won the Oaks. And you know that she can run 2400, Tim. All right, now let's get to some text messages on the Retrovision text line zero four two seven seven eight nine five seven one for all of the electrical stuff that you love, fellas. I went to the game, left at half time after the pathetic second quarter by West Coast. They looked like little league players. That's from Hunty. Uh, hi Tim, this is from Snoz. West Coast could also be four and zip after next weekend. Snoz, I wish it was four and zip. I think we'll go zip and four. We go win loss record first. So oh, unfortunately, Snoz is Carlton, isn't he? Uh, that's a good question. I should know. Might, Snoz and Slammer. I get them mixed up. I think Slammer's... Uh, I thought he was Hawthorne Snoz. Maybe they can text oh. us back and yeah, let us know. let us know. Uh, Kennedy from the Eagles should retire with a few others because they're never going to play finals. That's from Rick. Uh, this is Len from Esperance. AFL coverage, the Eagles and the Dockers. No halftime, no coaches' <laughs> comments. The game... Uh, should have put it on mate for full coverage. Well, it was a Fox footy game yesterday. Uh, Greg L, the derby is done and full credit to Fremantle. Way too good. My concern is if the Eagles play like that when they get a full contingent back and a clear run in a few weeks, then the alarm bells will be ringing loud and the critics will go to town. That's Greg L. So uh, a few text messages on the derby. Let's get stuck into yesterday's Western Derby and we've got our six points just before we do, Diggers. I'll ask you a question, Tim. You tip Fremantle. And so did UTC. What was your expectation of a final margin in that game yesterday? Uh, not 50-plus points. No. TC, did you no. think it was a three- or four-goal game? Yeah. 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 Uh, but we, shouldn't, we probably shouldn't be surprised because we came in here after the first derby at Mineral Resources Park in the preseason and thought, oh, there's a big power shift here and there was a lot of injuries for West Coast, albeit Fremantle have lost a few along the way as well. Yeah, I think we should be surprised. I don't think anyone saw a 55-point game. It was $9 for the Fremantle to win 40-plus. Yeah, I, I didn't envisage I'd win like that. Mm. Oh, that that was a spanking. They were really poor, West Coast. Mm. There's no getting away from that. Even with all the adversity that they've had to endure, that was a disappointing display. Mm. Mm. We were pretty flat about Fremantle's performance the week prior, and I think the biggest thing was their ability, and they are still a young group, Fremantle, their ability to change that game plan within a week and take on the instructions because we um, were appalled at the way they moved the ball against St Kilda, and maybe that was more about St Kilda than it was about Fremantle, but on the weekend their ability to get the ball into space and use the leg speed that they've got forward half of the ball, I think was the big point taking away, and We've spoken about it the first two rounds of the season. The teams that are up the top of the ladder, those ones showing dare with the football, wanting to kick it to a contest and wanting to put scores on the board. Which you have to do in April while the decks are fast still before it gets into the middle of winter and the decks become heavy and it becomes a bit more of a scrap. We've got six points to take you out of the Western Derby, so go around the table. We'll go two each, TC. Has there been enough change to the West Coast Eagles game plan? Well, on what we saw there yesterday, the answer to that question would be No. Because from the moment they won possession of the football there yesterday, they were, again, very reactive and very conservative with their ball movement. There wasn't enough desire to take on that risky kick. And then when you did see a couple of occasions as the game progressed, i.e. McGovern pulled the trigger on a couple of kicks, great. Hearn pulled the trigger on a couple of kicks and it opens the game up. But there wasn't enough of that early doors. Even when they do do that, Digby, there's not enough movement afterwards. There's not enough movement up the ground. So you can pull the trigger on the kick that hits just backward of 
the centre circle. And then what's next, though? That's where they would break. And they were, the ball use going forward yesterday was as bad as I've seen from a West Coast side for a long time because, as we as I said earlier, they're normally very efficient inside 50. And they looked all at sea up front yesterday. Very reliant on centre square bounce yeah. goals. Yes, exactly right. And that's been a that's been a strength of theirs because once you do have Nick Napnui in that centre square, you can be very proactive with how you're set up inside there because you know you're going to win the lion's share of the ruck knots. I thought we saw against North Melbourne, and I know there were a lot of waffle players in that team, but I, I think we saw a lot more effort from West Coast, a lot more effort and endeavour, but we, we just didn't get that yesterday. It was back to old habits of last year. And they're 2-10 since that win against Richmond where Josh Kennedy kicked the goal with 30 seconds to go. 2-10. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon West Coast, that's a, a something that would sit comfortably with the team down at Mineral Resources Park? I wouldn't have thought so. No. Now, my question to you two, gentlemen, is with the 0-3 and three start and the drama surrounding selection, what is attainable for them in 2022? West Coast. Yes. In terms of a ladder position. Yes. What's the team? Ten wins and losses. What can they achieve? Seven or eight. They can still win games at home. So what are you giving them for the year? Where are they at? Eight and 14, seven that's, and 15? That's probably a best case now. Best yeah. case. TC? Yeah. What is it? Six and... What's that? Six, six, six wins. Six, yeah. 16, yeah. And, they, and let's, let's not forget, they're going to have to call on Waffle top-up players again at some point this year. I think you just have to accept that that's going to be the way that it plays out and, and they're not going to win games with Waffle top-up players, are they? I thought their ins were better than their outs yesterday. I really did. I, I, thought, I thought you get a, you know, a Nick Nat back in, you get a Kennedy back in, you get a Redden back in. You get Gaff. a Rotham, a Gaff. I think, you know, even Jackson Nelson, you know, and Jake Waterman. Okay. Yeah. Jake Waterman. So should Jake Waterman start exploring elsewhere? Yes. Absolutely. 100% he should because clearly there's there's some reservations from the match committee, i.e. Adam Simpson, he heads up the match committee, and Jake Waterman, what he's capable of producing because I, I, I found that odd yesterday, T. So if he was 100% after missing the previous week because of health and safety, and he might have had a bad dose of COVID, I don't know, because we're not privy to that. Mm. I c- cannot for the life of me understand why he's not in your 22. So if he didn't play on the weekend and then Oscar Allen comes back what when he's it? fit and firing, yeah. he doesn't play Which? in that forward line setup. Oscar Allen will be an interesting chat tomorrow to see if he is indeed still on track for round number five. Last week, the injury list said four to six weeks, so he might still be a fair way off. So do you think Waterman should explore his options going forward, TC? Yes. Mm. I I wouldn't begrudge him. No. I wouldn't begrudge him doing that. Point number two, TC, we'll whip around the table here. Andrew Brayshaw, is he the best midfielder of the WA sides? Is he the best midfielder that plays AFL in WA? Oh, that's a good question. Um, he finds a lot of football. He's not always good by foot. I, I place a really big emphasis on blokes who use the football well. And he can find an Andrew. He's a ripper. But I'd love to see him cleaner by foot. So I'd say no. Not Nat, far off. Nat Fife's the dual Brownlow medalist. And he's, yeah, I'm happy to respect him. But he's him. not always great by foot. But he yeah. hasn't kicked at football for a long time. No. But he's a ripper. Don't get me wrong. He's a ripper. Can Fremantle play finals? TC, you go first? Yes, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, they they look a much better side when Matt Tabernut plays. Yeah, I agree they, with that. They can, but it's... it's I, I don't... I'm sorry to do it. I'm going to sit on the fence here because it's just COVID-related. I mean, what happens if Fremantle have 
the eight outs that West Coast had last week and have to call on top-up players. They're not going to beat GWS with that, are they? No. So, And I noticed that they're outsiders against GWS this week, which I found surprising. It's just it's it's too hard to absolutely pin your hopes 100% on them playing finals with the COVID center. They've managed it a lot better than West Coast, though, COVID-wise, so far. West Touch wood, it West would Coast, seem so, yes. West Coast have had more COVID cases than Fremantle. They're going to encounter it. It, it, they can't help it. They are going to encounter COVID issues at some point this year, Fremantle. Well, they've already had, they already have, but not to the Longmere, extent. Yeah. Justin yep. Longmere, David Mundy, yep. obviously Brennan Cox. Yep. But I think Luke Ryan was in a hotel for a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, to stay away from the roommate that is Brennan Cox. So they've been really diligent about it, Fremantle. Yep. Yep. Uh, so my last one then is what it, what it means for our man, Griffin Loke. What, is he in the best 22 still? Well, often mm. were you saying? Well, to be fair, no, 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 because he was omitted yesterday. Mm. He was yep. omitted yesterday. Pierce and Cox take the two big boppers, the opposition. Luke Ryan's your interceptor, and then they surrounded those three with players that had speed, foot skills, and run and dash. Walker was good, which worked really well for Fremantle, which opened up that ball movement. Therefore, it helps Collier on a wing, helps Michael Frederick on a half forward line when he gets space and they can move the ball. Uh, I, I really liked Walker in that side. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was just digressing ever so slightly. Erasmus, Fremantle people have been wrapped with him throughout yeah. the summer. He belongs on the AFL stage. Now, he's going to have dips and dips and troughs and all the rest of it, peaks and troughs. We know that because that's what happens when you're a kid. But, boy, oh, boy, they've got one there, Fremantle. They should be really excited about him, the Fremantle faithful. Just on the back six, you know, Chapman, Young, uh, Walker, if you surround that with Cox and Ryan, and then you've also got Pierce. Clark. Yes, yeah, it was well. Uh, Alex Pierce, the heart went in the mouth there for a little while yesterday when he I was on the ground. Snapped his leg. Oh, yeah, I, so did I. I thought that when he pointed yeah. to down there to the shin area, I'm thinking, yeah. oh, don't tell me, don't tell me you've broken your leg again. Yeah. But he was able to go off, get some treatment, might have had a little bit of pain relief, and then come back on, oh. which was really encouraging. Oh, it was so, so good to see him go back out. Yeah, there. it really was. But so good. No, they're a young side, Frio, and they're going to have ups and downs, and they were very, very good yesterday. Hamling, Logue, Wilson, three players that could very well find themselves at a crossroads potentially this year, given the depth that they've got back there. I think Logue's ahead of Hamling. Yes, yes. I think his uh, body allows him to be ahead of Hamling. Nathan Wilson might be a fair way off the pace. Well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not being nasty to Nathan, but that's okay. You've got kids. Yep. And if the kids are going to do what you want them to do, you're back in the kids. All right, let's get to a quick break. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to the Sports Daily with your hosts, Tim Walker and Digby Beecham. All right, before we rip into studs and duds, a couple of text messages, and uh, this is one from uh, Snoz. Yep. Hi, guys. The good, another one from Snoz. Good Ash Barty's golf win in Queensland. Yeah, it's bad, bad West Coast attack on the ball. Uh, ugly the situation in the Ukraine, and, yeah, we've certainly still got our fingers crossed that things do change there with what is happening. It just shows that it is bigger than sport. Uh, there are bigger things than sport. Uh now, Snoz is a go. He said, "Go the Hawks." He's a Hawks man. P.S. Tell Slammer, who's a Carlton man, so Slammer, the better yep. team on the day. So, okay. thanks for that. Best yep. bets coming through as well for Pinjarra to take on Hayden King on the Retrovision text line zero four two seven seven eight nine five seven one. All right, should we get into some studs and duds from the weekend? I'm going to stud the Friday night showdown. Oh, deserved okay. its place on Friday night. Yes, and clearly it delivered. It needs to be a standalone though. It needs no, to be. Hey, a, hey, it needs I'll to, get to that. Oh, oh, you're, oh, you're yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, 
Don't jump the gun. Apologies. Now, early in this year, my first start, early in this year, and I'm not sure if he's a bona fide elite player, champion data said Sam Switkowski was elite. Oh. And I think we all, myself included, went, Sam Switkowski elite? Give me a spell. He's really good. <laughs> <laughs> he's seriously quick, isn't he? He goes in, he takes three steps every metre. Yeah, but... Boy, oh boy, he can extract the footy and then he can explode away from congestion. He has that bounce, takes his opportunities in front of goal. They've got a really good one there. I'm studying him. Sam Switkowski, congratulations on another really, really good performance yesterday. Yeah, and his little mate as well up there, Lockie Schultz. Oh, doesn't he? Body line the boy. He puffs the chest I like out. It. Oh, I love him. He goes about it the right I think, way. I think you said earlier on, one of you two boys said... Oh, if I was playing on Lockie Schultz, I'd love to just, you know, if you get the chance to get a good spoil and get the ear massage in. and Oh, you'd and club just, him. Yeah. <laughs> you would. But, he's but I, think he'd, I think he'd relish that. Yeah. If he played country football, he'd oh. run through about six blokes yeah. a quarter. He, he'd play four <laughs> games a year. Oh. He'd, he'd do his two-week suspension. And he'd come I back. like it. He's it a ripper. Hurt. Yeah, he yeah. was good. Congratulations to him also for winning the Ross Glendening Ben Allen medal. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, my first start, I'm going Tim English. He copped the whack after the Carlton game, but... He had almost a career game on Thursday night all the way back then. Starting the Carlton Army, getting to the football, and I think they're going to be, well, they're fun on field, and I think once they get into some of these really bigger games, I think the MCG might be packed for a lot of the Carlton games this year. Yeah, I like it. Oh, I'm studying Max King for for the second week in a row. Did he stand up? And a couple of his shots late in that game were a little bit askew, but that shot on the angle from outside 50 oh, flushed that, it. Oh, my gosh. Boy, oh boy, he's having some shots at goal. This young man, he's a ripper. So they've got a they've got a bona fide star on their hand, St Kilda. Yes, well and truly starting to hit it purely. My second stud, Angus Brayshaw, thirty four disposals and twenty marks. He changed the course of the grand final. Is there a more in-demand signature than Angus Brayshaw this year? I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. He is a free agent. He's seemingly over those concussion issues, which is really, really encouraging. You'd be surprised if he's not at Melbourne, would you? Oh, yes, I would. I would. But again, you know, depend, depends on... They win know, it again? Yeah. And, and what's he chasing? How much money is he looking for? I guess, see, like, Andrew's a ripper. Angus is a beautiful kick of the football. Andrew's... Not a beautiful kick of the football. That can still come, though. Well, I, no, I don't Are think so. No. Not if you've been in the system five years and you still can't kick properly. No. A lot of teams have midfielders that play on the wing. Melbourne have two wingmen. Yes, they do. Ed Langdon being one of them. Just works up and down. He's like a sheepdog. How good as a coach? Just, Ed, you're playing on that wing. You don't have to come off whole game, play 100%, mm. cover 634 kilometres. Yeah, he's a ripper. He's but He's... Better than I thought he was, Ed Langdon. Uh, so that is my second stud. Third stud? Uh, Frio's dare with ball in hand yesterday. And the, we spoke about the change they made from the week before. Yep, absolutely. Pressed. Jeremy Cameron, you know, you yeah. pay these big, big free agents, big money, and to, to come and change the outcome of games, he did that. On Saturday evening, Jeremy Cameron. No. And that's the best version of him. The week prior, albeit he might have been a little bit sore after what ha- happened in, in round one, but he had no impact up there at the SCG. He had a profound impact at the MCG. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Six goals, and I don't think he was overly... He didn't have an overly big impact in the first three quarters, but it just goes to show you might not be having your best night. I know he kicked three goals in the first three quarters. You might not be having the impact... In, in the game, but when it is your moment and his moment came in the last quarter and he impacted the game, changed the course of the game for the Cats. Let's get to uh, some duds there from the weekend. Unreal, Jeremy. Good stuff. 
Duds. First dud is staging. I think it's creeping You're into generic the... with your studs and duds today, aren't you? Yeah, well, just trying to change it up. Staging. I think. Who, it... who are you identifying? Who's staging? Dan Butler did it yesterday. Yes. Hit off the ball. Was it Alex Witherden with Matt Tabiner? Uh Patrick Dangerfield did it. He's got form. And there's a lot of players playing for free kicks now. Michael Walters did it in the goal square, ran into Josh Rotham. Mm. Talking of form. I think it's creeping into the game a little bit more than we'd like. Well, my first dud, and it goes to that Dan Butler one with Marlon Pickett, there probably wasn't a great deal in it. So he's he's a dud for me because you have to have your head in the game. You have to understand St Kilda were coming. They were really surging at Richmond. Don't put yourself and the team in a position where you give away that free kick. He has been one of their better players. Yes, exactly. He was good again yesterday. He had some really good moments, and he's been solid, but he's put his own interests ahead of the team's. Football IQ, Digby. Exactly right. You have to have it. He didn't display it. It was a lack of discipline. They get another goal. The momentum continues. He's a dud. My line, pick it. Okay. My first one, Sam Mays. Again, sometimes the free kick might not be there. I know he kicked two goals and had some impact for Port Adelaide, but the bottom line is Port Adelaide is zero and three because of something that was just sloppy. Yeah, I agree with that. Yes, agree. My second dud, and Tim, sounds like you have a bit to say here. The Friday night doubleheader overlapping well, is a dud. I don't mind two Friday games, and we're going to see it on Good Friday next next week. I know that's a public holiday, but there'll be an afternoon game, which North Melbourne have done a really good job, and then West Coast will host Sydney on the Friday night. Uh, why couldn't we look to do something like this, you know, have it in have it in Perth so you can start the game in Melbourne at 10 past 6, or 10 past 5 on a Friday night. I know it's not ideal, but then play a game in Perth. And the showdown should have its own standalone slot, and it should be on free-to-air because that was a Fox footy game. So outside of Adelaide, you weren't going to be able to watch it on free-to-air TV. My second dart is Jordan Degoe. He's had a really good start to the season, and it was just an unnecessary sling tackle on Patrick Dangerfield. You could see, and he's a big man, Jordan Degoe, and he he really, really picked up Dangerfield, and he slammed him into the turf. I think he's fortunate only to get one week. Now, it might not matter because they're up against West Coast this week and they should be beating them. But when you're in good nick and he, he owes that football club, that mm-hmm. football club stood by him. He, he needed to just keep on keep on tracking. Now he has a week off. You would think that Collingwood would accept that because that's there's no getting around that. No, uh, Jackson Nelson for mine. Again, he's, he came back in. He came back in off a week off. But he, just he, a ball. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was culprit going forward as well. Some poor kicks, some poor entries inside 50 yesterday. Third dud. Richmond's recruitment of Robbie Tarrant sort of suggests they were ready to go again for the premiership, and I think they might have misread that a little bit. You have to understand where your list is at. My third dud, David Noble. You're in charge of that football club, and you oversaw an absolute embarrassing display there at the Gabba on Saturday night. Not good enough. You're a dud. Shane Edwards for mine as well. He's just he's come off a cog. I've loved everything that he's brought to the footy, at, to his to the game of footy, and also what he's done for Richmond over the past few years. But uh, just there on the weekend, he just looks a yard off at Shane Edwards. So uh, they're the studs and duds from the weekend's footy. Now a couple of text messages that are coming through here, diggers. At what point does Aaron Finch get dropped? His time as Australian opener and captain is done. Surely he is not in Australia's best twelve. Best 11, maybe, this, this listener means. Yep. He'll only be getting a game because he's a good bloke. Would love your thoughts. Surely we go with some youth now. That's Ryan from Mandra. That's Ryan, good, I, look, I wasn't prepared last week to have the chat diggers until after the T20 World Cup, but 
if we're going to win a T20 World Cup at home, I can certainly see it happening without Aaron Finch now. Yeah, it's a really good text, Ryan. Um, the interesting thing with Aaron Finch is, and this is where we get to the player power, and Aaron Finch, along with Pat Cummings, agitated for change. They wanted Justin Langer gone, and they're very happy with Andrew McDonald. Now, Andrew McDonald, does he have Aaron Finch's back? Does he continue to have his back knowing that he's in that position probably because of the Pat Cummings and the Aaron Finch and a few of the senior players? Is he prepared to pull the lever on him? Well, And it's not is. just Andrew McDonald. It's also George Bailey. I get that. Yes. But Andrew McDonald, as coach, and it might only be on an interim basis at the moment, he has a fair bit of power there as well. Diggers, when I see what Travis Head has done in this ODI series, when I see what Ben McDermott's done in this ODI series, knowing that David Warner's still our best opener. He's still our best opener in white ball cricket, definitely. Red ball cricket, well, Usman Kawaja's going better than him at the moment. He's got to come back in. Smith's going to come back in, like it or not. He's going to come back into the white ball setup. So that all of a sudden puts pressure on Aaron Finch, Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell. They've got to come back into the white ball setup as well. I know it's a, an inexperienced side that Australia's put out, but I think we've found a few in, in head and also McDermott that we can use at white ball level. So if you pull the trigger and you say to Aaron Finch, thanks but no thanks, we're moving in a different direction with you, who captains Pat the, Cummins. Wi- the white ball? Yep. yep, Pat Cummins. I've got no issue with him being able to do it. He does so need to make himself available. Does now. he remain at the helm? Aaron Finch, yes or no? I don't think he will now. Okay. I don't think he will. I've I'm, I've changed tune over since over the weekend. We need more from him. Yep. With an inexperienced that, that, team. The LB was horrible. Oh. The heads out of the yeah. like it's the, it's yep. it's something which has been a real issue for him. The T20 comes up tomorrow night. Let's get to the knives or butts. Always look on the bright side of life. The phrase no ifs or buts is generally spoken to children. Whilst we have no restrictions or no excuses, everything is on the table for our social butterfly, Steve Butler, reporter at large with the West Australian. No ifs or buts is brought to you by Bold Move Homes. Make the right move with Bold Move Homes. Your vision is our craft. No ifs or buts. Good morning to you, buts. Yes, a very good morning to you, chaps. After a fine weekend, and Taylor, I couldn't agree with you more about the staging. It is getting out of hand. And I agree with you too, Diggers, that you don't put yourself in the position to actually give away the 50 either. But let's get rid of this staging. It's, it's, it looked horrible on several occasions on the weekend. Well, there's a pretty, there, there is a mechanism there. Then there is, there is something that the MRO can yeah. do about it. We know it. We've seen the you know, players be fine. Do it. Yeah, it's time to do it. Lockie yeah, O'Brien from Carlton. Just, yeah, Lockie O'Brien from But make a statement. Name and they shame. They were everywhere on the weekend. They were everywhere on yep. the weekend. It was a terrible look, and it's time to stamp it out. Yep. I agree. Name and shame, as yep. of today. Yep, exactly right. Couldn't agree more. Otherwise we, end up like, otherwise, we end up like soccer. Yeah, and you don't want that now. But your your take on West Coast Frio there yesterday, the text line's pretty hot in here. Oh, yeah, we'll certainly get into that. Oh, I think we're a bit more uh, in the flog department. Okay. Uh, when we get to the West Coast Eagles, I think I'll go there. Uh, and, look, you've got to give a polish to Lockie Schultz. Yeah. I mean, the way he played, that that's what you want to see in a Western Derby. Just committed, hard running, hard pressure, uh, no pick and choosing. That was good stuff by Lockie Schultz and, and, and for Frio, but I'll leave the rest of that to the flog department. If you go, if we start with the policies like we normally do, you can't. there's only one you can go to after that weekend, and that's Amelia's jewel, isn't it? I mean, whoa, that was just an epic watch. It was so good to, to see a horse just unload like that on a, on a good field. 
after all the planning, and then the emotional fallout afterwards of you know listening to Simon Miller. You know, there was obviously a few reasons why emotions brought it to him, notwithstanding the partnership between him and Peter Walsh down there at Amelia Park. And then, you know, Walsh, he could, while he's looking at his family celebrate, he could barely hold his emotions back, and that was beautiful. And then Paddy Carberry, I mean, he, he he's ridden a horse the be, as the best horse in the race, as good as you can ride a best horse in the race, I reckon. That was an absolutely stunning performance by, by Paddy to get it done like that. And to think that he's done that on the wings of his nana who passed away that morning, Jeez, a star, Paddy Carberry. I, I, I thought that emotional backwash to all of that was just sensational. You've got some information there regarding Amelia's jewel, TC? Well, Daniel O'Sullivan, as we know, respected form analyst, he said 97.2, Amelia's jewel performance there on the weight for age performance rating in the Karakata. Clear 100-plus potential beyond 1,200 metres, which I think we all thought she gets better with distance. His view, second best two-year-old in Australia behind Fireburn. That just shows how we suggested a little bit earlier. Yeah, she's a ripper. She's a ripper. Who else are you polishing, Steve? Oh, you can't go past Nature Strip. I mean, when he's at his best like that, that was just dominant. To see him freewheeling in that last hundred, say, that's what racing's about, to watch a good horse do that. And you know, as much as it was awesome to see Amelia's jewel power down the outside and just spank that field, Nature Strip was so bullish and dominant, and that's what he does when he's at his best. And you're right, Chris Waller, to do what he does, to push the right buttons at the right time is exceptional. And you know, you, you've just got a horse that is taking all before him. And, yeah, he can be frustrating at times, but when it gets to grand final day like that, he's more often than not the bullish champion that he is. And, yeah, he's not black caviar, but he's he's certainly amongst the next best, as Matty Stewart suggested a little bit earlier. So definitely him. Um, Elisa Healy, she's 170 in a World Cup final. I mean, to, to go ahead on of names such as Adam Gilchrist, Ricky Ponting and Viv Richards in the most runs ever made in a World Cup final. That just says everything, I think. And she's such a big game player, Elisa Healy. And that was exceptional to lead Australia to their seventh World Cup title. It was an epic performance by her. And it was, it was a good game to watch too. Um, definitely Sam Whiteman and Aaron Hardy, their partnership has put WA on the verge of winning that drought-breaking Sheffield Shield final today. So let's hope that happens. Uh, I think Geelong pulled polish from the jaws of flog when Joel Selwood in his record breaking game as captaining the most games ever was run down and a fracker ensued and they gave away a free kick and then they conceded six goals in a row or more maybe they thought well yeah you can show bravado in a fracker but you've actually got to show bravado on the scoreboard and that's what they did in the last quarter for their great captain so well done to Geelong on that because it was, it was a great performance and to Peter Boll, our Olympic hero, a third national 800-metre championship in a row on the weekend. So still on the right way up and automatic qualify for the Commonwealth Games now later this year. Flogs. Well, the Eagles, I mean, that, that is the flog of the weekend, as bad as uh, some of the other teams, including mine, have been. But I, I just, it was a bit on the same theme as you guys spoke about earlier. I just wonder where this game plan's gone. When they talk about this new game plan, taking it on, there was none of that yesterday. It was absolutely same old. It was kick across the ground, don't take it on, no energy. I mean, how can they train a new game plan all season and then do the same thing? There, there was no... They did not play that game with intent yesterday. And it was from the early going when they weren't being beaten by 55 points. I, I was just stunned, weren't you? I, when you're watching it, not to see any intent and seeing that silly backwards, sideways passing that's going to take you know, because all Fremantle did was fold back 
sit in the position, guard the space, and then when West Coast finally decided to stop playing kick to kick and put it forward, they ramped up the pressure, and all of a sudden it was on West Coast, and they didn't know what to do with it. The so they need to have a serious look at that. If, if I was a half-backman coming up against West Coast, I'd be licking my lips. You'd be dead set licking the lips about the prospect of just being able to sweep it up, and then you can pull the trigger and, and get them on the on the rebound. On the rebound. Yeah, yeah. there's there's because there's no an intention. easy side to defend. Yeah, then, then you just fall back and guard the space because that's exactly what they did last year. They kicked to the side and they told us they'd never do it again. Well, we've seen it again in round three in a derby. No intent. How can you play with no intent like that in a derby? Yeah, it's... it was listless stuff and very disappointing. Yeah, I agree. Agree. No energy. No energy. How, and their tackling was terrible too. And that's part of the energy. You know, you've, got, you've got to be fierce. Would you yeah, fa- one-arm tackles. Would you facilitate a trade for Andrew Gaff? Because the way you're gone, playing, the way you're playing, or the way he's playing and the way that he's played, that's that's not going to cut the mustard in the current setup, surely. What are you going no. to get for Andrew Gaff? I don't know, that's but you might get some you, salary you, cap relief. Maybe. Yeah, that might be a good point. I mean, it's difficult because we don't know the full extent of, of what's happening behind closed doors. And, you know, you're talking about Jake Waterman. You know, did he have a bad bout of COVID? We don't know. Mm. So there's a lot of question marks over that performance. But the one thing that you can measure, and that's effort and energy and, there was, and, and intent, and there was none of that. There was more of it last week against North Melbourne in, in, a, in a small loss with, uh, with some blow-in players playing. So that mm. was really disappointing. I, I think Sam Mays was really disappointing, Diggers. I know you, you're a bit questioning of it, but yeah. I think in that position, and you're under pressure, and you're in front, yep. you don't give a bloke you don't give a bloke a free kick like that. He, he just lost his head, yeah. and that was an inexcusable, stupid free kick. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just sort of question whether it was actually a free kick, I, whether it was a hold. I just thought it was more of a swinging arm. I didn't think he sort of. It was late. It was late and passed the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he went, went past the ball and did But he only hit him in the yeah. stomach. He didn't hit him in the head. You don't want round no, arms no. coming in. You but don't he, want round yeah. arms coming in. Well, clearly you can. Well, we saw well, Sam Draper. Yeah. My issue was the contact was late and passed the ball. Yeah. And, he, and, and in that case, he should have known better. Yeah, I agree with that. that well, it's football IQ, it is, isn't it? It is 100% exactly the same sort of thing as you're talking before. Yep. And when the game's on the line like that, you just don't yep. do it. Yep, so cool. he, he definitely gets a flog. And, and Richmond, I mean, how do you concede 10 goals in a row? And I don't think even Essendon have done that yet, have they? And they are bad. Yeah, well, you know my thoughts on Richmond. Big game this week against the yeah, Dogs. I think it's, they're, start, they're starting to prove it a bit. I think the Dogs will flog them. Yeah, no Grimes. Again, this is the thing. They're old group and they're getting injuries. You know, Presti is a, yeah. a cripple now and Dylan Grimes is another string. Like they're, they're banged up and they're old. Yep, and they're playing like it. Well, they certainly. if you can't stop a run of 10 goals in a row against St Kilda, who are hardly banging down the door as premiership favourites... That's that's worrying stuff, and that that was that was ordinary by Richmond yesterday. It was was pitiful to watch. All right, now bold move of the weekend. Oh, you've got to go back to where we started, I think, and with with Peter Walsh. I mean, it's a retrospective bold move, but sitting in your lounge, this is this would be right down your alley, diggers, wouldn't it? Sitting in your lounge chair, sucking a few reds down late in the piece, and you sort of decide, well, I'm going to get online and and punt on one, and picks up a broodmare that produces Amelia's jewel. <laughs> And arguably the best, if the best two-year-old we've ever seen in Western Australia. I think it's the best two-year-old performance I've ever seen in Western Australia. Now, you, you know, I know you go for the, what's closest in front of you, but it's hard to imagine one better than that. And uh, well, how would you have gone, Diggers, on a couple of reds and not like that? Oh well, I'd like to own her. I know that she's a ripper. <laughs> she's a star, and the mayor's clearly going to 
continually produce very, very good offspring. We know that, the good progeny. I think she's in Folder Capitalist. She's booked to go to I Am Invincible. So if she's a colt, she'll be, or he'll be sold. And if she's a filly, Simon will train. So I think you know what Simon's hoping for going forward. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, just again, it was, it was a beautiful thing to watch that emotion play out. After, you can just see how much it means. And that's why the sport is so beautiful. But uh, over the few reds and uh, not even quite remembering what you've done the night before, that's as bold move as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> Certainly is, but thank you very much for your time this morning. We do appreciate it. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 7.45. Yeah, then, You're listening to the Sports Daily with your hosts, Tim Walker and Digby Beecham. All right, let's tidy up with some good, bad and uglies from the weekend. Good. Uh, good Saturday, Randwick. Everything about it. Loved it. Yeah, agree. Good. Alyssa Healy, wonderful, wonderful achievement there at the top of the order. It was uh, some sort of an innings. Ash Barty for mine, she's a freak. Bad Port Adelaide. They're just bad. Yeah, they are. Now, bad for me, the Cyril Rioli situation, which sort of rose, which, you know, reared its head again there. Yes, that's been reported on previously, but this was the first time we'd sort of heard from Cyril and his wife or his partner. Um, I'm not sure it paints Hawthorne in a great light. No, it doesn't. Disappointing to hear those comments as well. Uh, my bad with West Coast performance. Not acceptable in a derby. Ugly. The Brisbane Broncos playing Haas yep. and Albert Kelly punching S- on. Same for me. That's... What's going on there? Well, it's... They're going in the right direction too. It's been referred to the NRL Integrity Unit, but Brisbane need to look after it themselves as well. My ugly is Aaron Finch's future. It's clouded, so he's in all sorts, I reckon, going forward now. I think they're just about getting to the final string. All right, TC, thank you very much for your time. We'll hear from you tomorrow morning. Oh, can't wait. All right, we have got Rod Lyons after eight. We're also going to hear from John Allen and Holly Watson. We'll also chat a bit of cricket with Malcolm Conn. We are going to head right now, though, to the eight o'clock news. Stick with us here on the Sports Daily on this Monday morning.